People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. And we're going to be talking about the Drama Factory in Somerset West, which was established in 2017. It's become renowned as a prime destination for patrons to enjoy quality entertainment across a range of genres in a relaxed and welcoming environment. This venue also offers creatives a platform to workshop performances, providing an affordable space for artists to bring their ideas to life. My guest is Sue Dipivin, who was the founder of the Drama Factory in Somerset West, but Sue is also an actress, director, writer, teacher, and apparently a mother of three. So, Sue, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much it for having me. It certainly sounds as though you have a busy day every day. <laughs> I do. <laughs> to run a family. I mean, a theatre is very time-consuming, isn't it, and work-intensive. It, it is. It, you know, we are a conduit, really, mm-hmm. for art to meet you know, lovers of art. Right. So in that way, we have not only to find beautiful work to present, but we have to also find people to present it to. Right. Yes, so, you know, it isn't just a question of you open the doors and people will stream in. You have to make sure that the content that we provide is user-friendly, that it has something for everyone, little people, big people, and, you know, people of all different languages mm-hmm. and of all different genres. So it is a job. It sounds <laughs> like it. But now it's an interesting name, the Drama Factory in Somerset West. Uh, what is it? Is it first and foremost a theater or is it first and foremost a sort of workshop area? So, Rodney, how we came about the name was a number of years ago, my husband and I bought a small factory as one does, as, well, an, invest- one. <laughs> as an investment um, and, you know, ostensibly to start a little business in. And we did just that. And at the same time, I was busy teaching and it started getting a little bit tricky trying to find spaces in schools. Schools started taking back their spaces for extramural curricular activities and there wasn't really always a place for drama in that. And I was working with a young woman called Chantal van der Hoefen, and she said, don't you have another place that we could rehearse? And I said, you know, now that you say so, we do, but we're going to have to just, you know, circumvent my husband's business a little bit. And slowly but surely, we took over the space. You know, his business didn't flourish, and ours did. And Chantal said, well, we have to tell the people where to go. And she was hell-bent on that. And I said to her, well, I don't really care. You know, you tell them whatever you want to tell them. I don't know what you want to tell them. And she said, well, I'm going to tell them it's the Drama Factory. And there the Drama Factory had a name and it was born. So the factory comes from the fact that it is in a factory. It's in an industrial area. We have people doing steelworks next door. We have people doing braiding two doors down from us, uh, making coffee, engineering businesses, all sorts of businesses. And yet it has the sort of 
arty feel, presumably in the middle of all this industrial space. Yes. So when people arrive, they're very, very shocked at first. You know, they're like, oh, why would you come to this type of venue? But we have security, we have parking, we have proximity to all different areas around us because we're right on the end to, we're right next to Lewandle, we're right next to Somerset West, we're right next to Strand, Makassar, all the areas in the Boerland, that little Helderberg region. And it's fantastic. So people are going, well, we don't have to drive to see quality theater and it's a safe, affordable option for us. So that's, yeah. Does it look like a factory still from the outside? Have from you the outside, outside, yes. Oh, does it? Does but it? when you walk in, have it's a little bit... Have you done that on purpose, left it looking like a factory on the outside? We didn't really have much of a choice. There are quite strict rules with the people who run the, the buildings at themselves that we can't really change facades and things like that. And there's not really much that needed to be done. It's pretty, pretty basic. Um, and it's neat and tidy, which is what we need. Mm-hmm. But when you get inside, it's a little bit like a speakeasy. You know, you walk in and then it's like, oh, wow, you know, a bar and chairs and lights. And, you know, people walk in and I don't think anybody who's never been has kind of gone, oh, well, you know, it's just it's that little speakeasy feel, a little bit edgy, maybe. Mm -hmm. But with how many people can you seat? So currently we can only seat capacity of um, 50 people. Is this because of COVID? This is because of COVID. Good. Our capacity is generally 120. Um, and we are lobbying with TADA, which is the Theatre and Dance Alliance of South Africa, to try and open our sector and to make sure that theatres are allowed to operate the same way that airlines are, the same yes. way that taxis are, yes, the same yes, way yes. that mines are. And that we could also have an element of safety for our patrons, Mm -hmm. but be able to really run our businesses as we see fit. Mm -hmm. So that is the TADA Theatre and Dance Alliance of South Africa lobby that we are busy with at the moment. It's interesting. The arts really did suffer most, well, a lot during COVID because of the fact that you need lots of people in a room. I mean, the orchestra is still allowed in the city hall only to play to 500 people and it seats a thousand. So it is, as you said, the mines, the airlines are sort of unfair on the theatre. It's incredibly unfair. Mm -hmm. And we do feel a little bit like we're being punished, Rodney. And if I may say so, who kept us going through lockdown? Artists, Netflix, radios, music. Those were the things that people turned to when the going got tough. But why do you say punish? What makes you think we're being Well, we are the only punished? sector that is not allowed to work as we see fit. Hmm. If you want to get on a plane today and you want to go to Durban, nobody asks you for your COVID test. Nobody asks you for your vaccination certificate. And you piled into the And you are piled in cheek by jowl with your mask on. When you are eating, you may take your mask off on a plane. So it just seems to be that we are being punished. There's no other sector that cannot function the way they need to function in order to create jobs, to protect livelihoods, and, you know, to offer what we do as an industry. So it does feel a little like we are being punished. I hear you, Sue. And you're right. You're right. Just putting it like that makes you realize the theaters, the ballet, the orchestra, the opera, are all suffering and are not allowed to have many people in. And it's not only the people who are on stage 
there are countless many people, publicists, artists that come and do, you know, photography, stagehands, producers, literally millions of people in our sector that are not able to work to their optimum. And we're not, you know, we're just asking for fair play. Mm-hmm. We I just want to be able to do our job the way <laughs> everyone else is able to do theirs. So, yeah, it, it does seem a little bit, it is a bit tricky for us at the moment. Um, and we are hoping that we will be heard. Your lobby, yes. Yeah. yes, yes. Well, I'll hold thumbs for you. Thank you. Well, now we can relax after you've said <laughs> very passionate. <laughs> I'm sorry, my rant. <laughs> no, not at all. But what is your first piece of music, Sue? What have you chosen in So, why? you know, I have to say that it's not very easy to choose five pieces of music, <laughs> especially when you are a few decades on into this um, lifetime, you know, Rodney. And so I think that's a bit cruel, um, <laughs> especially in light of the fact that I'm actually a real lover of the 80s music. And how could one ever just choose one piece? So I decided to go with things that really resonated with me during my life. Mm-hmm. And one of those is a song called Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. It is the happiest song. You may play it at my funeral and dance on my grave <laughs> with that song. It literally is my all-time favorite. It gets me smiling every single time. And every time there has been something of note that happens in my life, that song is somewhere around. And it is happy, it's vibey, it's positive, and that is how I strive to live my life.
Well, you heard my guest say that that piece of music made her smile. It's the happiest song she knows. And you were smiling through that, Sue. Uh, <laughs> Walking on Sunshine, Katrina and the Waves, and the first choice of my guest on People of Note on Fine Music Radio this week, Sue Dipavin, who is the founder of the Drama Factory in Somerset West. And we're talking about, and literally I was interested to see that it's literally a factory. Do you employ people there? You must surely have quite an infrastructure in place. So... How does it work? I started the Drama Factory really as on on pretty much on a whim, and mm. I knew nothing about owning a theatre. But like every every actor, you always think to yourself, oh, I'd love to have my own theatre, and I could put on these plays, and I could <sighs> do all of this. So that's the dream I know for many, many people. When When it comes to being a factory, we do manufacture. In a way, we manufacture, you know, beautiful art. Um, and you we, manufacture people. You manufacture actors and directors in a sense. Yes, and memories, and memories, I would like to go. say, yes. um, because a lot of what we do is to create memories for our audience as well as for our performers. So we are really what we would call a receiving house mainly, which means that if you had a show or you and had a show and you'd like to bring it to us, we would say, yes, here you go, here's a slot, and we would help you to find the audience that resonates with your, your work. So we work on a door split with, with artists. It's all on our website. There's an artist's application um, section where people can go and fill in, give us as much detail as they can about their show, and then we curate that and go, yes, we think that will sell. Maybe that won't. Possibly we could do it as a higher you know, if it's a production that we know we won't sell, we do it as a hire and then people come in and do their own thing in the space. So we've tried to make the space very user friendly. When we first started the drama factory, we were in a smaller factory than we are now. And I did everything, literally on the ladders, helping, you know, focusing the lights, getting everything done. And people have started to gravitate towards me. And I met a beautiful young man. He was, I think, 18 at the time, Vickis Lowe. He's studying dance at the Waterfront Theatre School at the moment. And I handed him my keys and I said, well, you clearly love this place. What do you want to do? And he was very, very happy. And he <laughs> grabbed those keys and he was up ladders. And all of a sudden, we had better lights and better sound because he came in and, and brought his touch to, to it. Um, we then got a beautiful artist by the name of Aaron McElroy. He came in and, and said, no, you guys definitely need help with this. And he put us in touch with DWR Lighting in, in Durban. They flew down and helped us rig. And they really saved my business because wow. I was up on ladders, you know, <laughs> during a show trying to recalibrate lights that have slipped off their moorings because they were installed with the wrong cable. So I've had to learn a lot about all of that stuff, which I never thought that I would. Mm. But we also are a production house. So we have not had a chance to produce much yet. Um, we've just done a series of shows called What Did the Fox Say, which is a puppet show series, which we did in conjunction with the Department of Sports, Art and Culture. And we did a show called Two to Tango, which I performed in with Paul Dutoy. 
And we're busy working on a women's festival for August, and we're hoping that that's going to be just magical. So we we do manufacture, Mm -hmm. but we are also, as I say, a receiving house. You've all the way through that you've used the word we 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 we. So who is we? Is it a so, royal <laughs> or is it a team? So it's generally I would run the back end of it. Um, Vickis Lowe uh, is still with me, okay. and he is doing all the tech. He arranges tech people. So what we do is we don't employ anybody full time, not even me. We all work on a part-time basis, and we work on a pay-as-you-go. So I have a beautiful, beautiful front-of-house manager, Angie Mitchell. And Angie also found me, came to me, and said, you need help. I will help you. And now we have a team, mostly women, I am very proud to say, um, that work our front-of-house. And uh, we have Tanya, Philippa, Rebecca, Amy, a whole host. And Ninga, she's not only a beautiful musician, she plays cello and sings opera. She also is our backup tech lady. We have a beautiful producer, Jeff Brooker and uh, Jesse. They come in and and help out when Vickers needs help. So we have a whole team of people, but we don't employ anybody Mm -hmm. um, on a full-time basis. I'd love to be able to do that. But I've just been flying by the seat of my pants, to be honest. And it hasn't been easy during COVID. So we didn't want to be staff heavy. And I think that's possibly why we are still around Mm -hmm. and others have not been able to keep their doors open. So are you fairly uh, busy? Do you have shows quite often? Well, we moved into a bigger building uh, just before COVID. So the January of of that year we moved into the bigger building and we had run a couple of shows and then we had to had to close our doors and our building is literally right next door to our old building it's just much bigger and lighter and and more user-friendly and so during the COVID period we were allowed to open at some point but with literally a katsbuchi of people But for our artists, that made a huge difference. I'm sure. And Just psychologically. We had, we had artists that had not eaten. They had not earned a cent. And that was a real game changer for me because I realized that although the theater is mine and I'm a bit of a brat to have a theater, it's a privilege, but it is a necessity. Because without me, I think that some of those artists would really not have eaten during COVID. So we were very lucky. Our audiences phoned. My audiences phoned me. They'd stop me in the pick and pay and go, when? When are we going to see a show? (laughs) And I was like, you know, we have COVID. And they say, well, but we want, we need it. So it's about that, about the bringing of, of people together. And we were very lucky to limp along. In fact, we had a world premiere of a show that won a Fleur de Cup during COVID. Congratulations. (laughs) Sue, what's your next piece of music? So my next piece of music is Johnny Clegg's Scatterlings of Africa. And I grew up in the 80s and left the country 1988. And I made my way to London to go and train um, further as an actor in London. And when you are far away, there is nothing like the scatlings of Africa to remind you that this is our home. This is our soil, and we are all its people.
things than future tears Hooded eyes and weary brows Seek refuge in the night They are the scatterings of Africa Each uprooted Scatterlings of Africa, Johnny Clegg there. And another choice of my guest on this week's edition of People of Note, and that is Sue Deepaveen. And uh, it was a lovely introduction to that song, reminding us of when you were in London. But I want to talk, let's just move away from the drama factory for the moment, because as I said at the beginning, Sue, you're a director, writer, actress, teacher, a mother of three <laughs> amidst all of that climbing ladders. And a wife. And, and a, a daughter, and a daughter-in-law. Oh, my goodness <laughs> me. And so it goes on. Exactly. When you went to London, did things work out for you? Did you manage to achieve what you wanted to achieve? Well, yes and no. I, you know, wasn't able to stay. Mm. Um, wasn't able to get a work permit. Because of passports. Because and of passports yeah. in that time. It was, you know, the late 1980s. It was really difficult. The worst time. But I think what it did is it gave me resilience. Mm-hmm. It gave me a bit of a world view. And it gave me friendships. And I came back to South Africa with a renewed purpose to try and just ensure that whatever I did, I did with integrity and that it had meaning. And Mm. I've tried to stick to that. So did it work? No, but it didn't fail either. (laughs) I I know what you mean. As you say, you've got world experience in a way. Had you always wanted to be an actress or be involved in theatre? No, I came from 
a place where there was no expectation of me as a student, as a daughter. Were you born in South Africa? I was born in Joburg, and my parents were very open to whatever we wanted to do. And I think that was pretty forward thinking for those kinds of days where people were expected to be teachers or nurses or secretaries. And my, my parents encouraged me. I had always done voices. There was, um, you know, radio dramas, Lenny the Leopard, um, Chappy Chipmunk, all of those. And I used to go ad nauseum all the way up to what was then Rhodesia and tell my parents the same stories over and over again <laughs> using these voices that I'd heard How on the you radio. How did you discover you were a voice artist? Well, I suppose it was just that. You know, mm. storytelling in those days, we didn't have television. So there was a lot more storytelling around the fire. Um, dinner tables were, you know, regaling your stories of the day. So you might have had a situation where you went, oh, you know, old Mrs. Watson Amy was coming at me and I didn't know what to do about it, you know. And and as you have now just reacted, as I got the laugh, yes. I guess it was born from that. Okay. And I love voice work. I love the anonymity of it. I love the fact that I can come to work in my tracksuit and yet still be playing some glamorous thing. Um, on the screen, yes, that you're voicing. And I, I love that aspect of it. And I love the fact that I need to work on accents I've always really had an ear for accents I won't say they're all perfect but um, you know you do the all American and you know received pronunciation all those and I've been very fortunate to do a lot of dubbing where we take content that is not English and we dub it over into English and this was something that I started very young as a young 18 19 year old actress up in Joburg mm. and we did work with Brian O'Shaughnessy on radio plays and you know dubbed all the American stuff into Afrikaans back in those days so I walk a long road with radio and with voice work and it is still my happy place I don't fear it it is a magical medium, radio, isn't it? Because, as you say, there's an element of anonymity. No one knows what you look like. And yet you can be anybody behind the microphone Absolutely. If, you're, if you're playing a character. But I do think it's also challenging because mm. you do have to have your wits about you. Because while you don't think anybody is listening, somebody will catch you out and somebody is listening. Whether you don't believe it or not, you know, you can't always take those risks. And mm. there's always the expert that will say <laughs> that woman didn't pronounce this exactly. in the true Irish exactly. way or whatever. So, you know, I've I've done a lot of commercials for radio. Um, I've done quite a lot of explainer videos. So a lot of voice work. I have a little studio at home, which I've. Oh, so you used. are still doing it? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. And still doing voice over and, voice artists. And stuff. I do a lot of dubbing, a lot mm. of stuff for Z World, Channel 166, 167, all the Indian soaps, Hindi to English. We're busy now with Chinese to English. Wow. Um, sometimes it would be Chinese or Korean to American. So you get a chance to flex those muscles. Um, the American muscles or the, the American, Chinese ones? The American. <laughs> both. <laughs> I've learned a lot as I've gone on. <laughs> so it's, it's great. A lot of Turkish content um, that they're busy dubbing at the moment. So, you know, as I said, it's, it's, a, it's a great medium. And, and it's, you have to sight read. 
Sometimes you have to fix the scripts on the fly. You have to give a character and you have to give nuance and, you know, all within a time frame. So that's the that's the big trick. And that's fun. But you, be, I was just going to say, you look as though you love doing it. I do. You're saying it with such um, <laughs> enthusiasm that it's, I mean, apart from climbing up ladders and running your factory, this is clearly another very creative side of your life. I enjoy it so much. I enjoy working with my sound engineers are all young and we have lots of in-depth chats while we're busy working. So mm-hmm. it couldn't be a better job. <laughs> We'll have to listen out for your voice, <laughs> but I don't know quite what to listen for. Well, sometimes I play opposite myself and we have to pitch. So you come in with a very, very high voice. Um, sometimes I play just a head. Sometimes I play a body with a head and I'm talking to my own head. Some of these shows are wild. <laughs> they are fantastical. So the head of my character mm. might have a voice like this, you know. And, you know, then my normal character would have my normal voice. It's, oh, it's so much fun. I can really recommend it as a day job. I think we should go and give it a try, a day job. You would enjoy it. Now, look, another piece of music, Hmm. Sue. What have we got here? Midnight Oil's Beds Are Burning. And what's that all about? So, as I said, you know, being overseas during those late 80s and the music was just great. And I really got a chance to see some of the greats. So I got a chance to see Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, Cliff Richard, but I also got to see Midnight Oil, and it is a concert I will never forget. It was wild. (laughs) (laughs) But I felt for the first time in my life that people were really kind of going, us as a world, we're in trouble. And that really resonated with me. So it's another one of those songs where... You know, you're just thinking about, yes, I'm very lucky to have a full belly. I'm very lucky to have a warm bed. But there are many, many, many people in the world, not only in our country, but in other countries who are not so lucky. So it's one of those songs that just reminds us to be a bit more thankful and a bit more caring and kind and human. Yeah. 
A group called Midnight Oil in that song, Beds Are Burning. Uh, Sue Dipavine is my guest on People of Note this week, another one of her choices. And as I've said, Sue is the founder of the Drama Factory in Somerset West, which we've been speaking about, but also an actress that we've heard. But Sue, you've also delved into so many things, a director and writer. Was this something... Were you not satisfied with just acting? <laughs> Did you want to boss people around as director? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't have enough to do with three children, of course. <laughs> well, I took a big break in my acting career when I had my children. Hmm. I was very young when I had my first child, and you know, then I started teaching part-time. And teaching and directing are pretty much the same thing. And I eventually fell into a job that required me to do shows for the grade sevens of the school that I was working in, Somerset House in, in Somerset West. And we would have 40 to 50 grade sevens, and each child needed to have something to do or to say. And I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything online. And I just really the stuff that I found was expensive it was ridiculously expensive to buy and I just thought oh well I'll just quickly knock something up so I did you know and found the music teacher and together we cobbled little musicals together I shouldn't say little they were quite large musicals (laughs) with with lots of songs and gave children solos and used choirs and you know had this whole production component to the job that I was doing at the time. And I loved it. I loved the creativity of it. I loved the fact that I could put in things that really mattered to me because I feel that it was a really good vehicle to be able to do that. And I wrote five productions for large casts of children. Of children, yes. yes, Yeah. And we did the music together, wrote the lyrics for that, and I directed and produced all of those. So... You know, it was something that I came to just in by way of my normal job. And then I was asked to direct a couple of plays. And so that all started. The writing has been a joy and a trial. Mm. And I was offered a, a slot at the Playhouse Theatre in Somerset West, which is our community theatre, which I am a member of. And we all love it. But you can never get a slot there because it's so full. And Daryl Spakers, who's now the chairman, phoned and said, well, we have a slot in six weeks and you're taking it. So I was like, well, Daryl, I don't have anything. I did have a studio, but to try and get the children all together to rehearse something, I just thought, well, it's never going to work. So I decided, well, I have a lot to say about being a woman in this world. I see where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a lot to say in general, so why don't I just say what I want to say? And I started writing a show, and it's called So You Want to Be a Trophy Wife. It's a lovely title. (laughs) I saw that. I thought, what's that all about? So it's generally a story about, uh, well, it was a very different play in 2016 to the one that I'm doing now, but it's about a character who is kind of down and out, and she starts realizing that she's made a lot of choices um, that don't really serve her. Things like the fact that her husband didn't want her to work, which means now she doesn't have a husband and she doesn't have a job <laughs> and she doesn't have any way of earning a living. So 
those kinds of themes started coming up and I looked at also uh, you know the trope of women being used as trophies in things like video games there are video games where if you get to a certain level the female character will discard a piece of clothing and if you don't believe me it is true I I did I had no idea no I didn't either so it was pretty horrific for me to to start realizing that the idea of a trophy wife or you know sometimes a, a sugar daddy culture or the blesser culture those are real phenomenon and we as women have also allowed that to happen to ourselves because where were the people who were making the games and helping with all those things that said it's not okay for mm. that character to now be in a skimpy outfit because you've won around what are you reinforcing for our young people so those are things that i started thinking of but i only had 6 weeks so i knocked it all together and i put it on and we had a lot of fun with it and a few years ago i decided that i wanted to revisit it and in those days i didn't really know many directors i i had a director who came in and helped me but she just said to me oh i was so busy watching that i and having fun that i didn't really think about what i could do to improve it <laughs> so i'm like <laughs> well <laughs> so i got a great director when bredenkamp and she helped me with the script and we refined the whole thing so it's a laugh but it's also a look Mm. at what is important for for me to pass on to my children you know specifically my daughters i i want them to be able to stand proud as women so this is now being produced and put on yes. in its new so form yes so we did it at a small theater here in cape town during lockdown and it was filmed for the national arts festival also during lockdown 2021 i've just done it at the beautiful dikulkamish theater in padanosta which it was such a great time we had <laughs> the best time with the show and now i'm literally on my way up to the teaser festival in east london which will happen later this month and Yeah, it's just been it's just been a joy. We're going to go up to Theatre on the Square in Sandton for 2 weeks in September with the show and it's just lovely. It's a show about Deirsay things for more. Mm-hmm. Really putting your best <laughs> foot forward, making the best of your life. Let's just go backwards. Uh, has it run in Cape Town? It has. It had a very short run at a theatre which is now closed called Gallery 44. Oh yes. So we're Cape hoping Town. to do another Cape Town run early next year. Good. watch the space watch as they this say. space let's see let's have another piece of music we've got glen miller i do Ooh, <laughs> did that throw you right there <laughs> did it <laughs> so the glen miller thing how can one not love that song in the mood i mean really every time you hear it your foot starts tapping you just want to have fun and it takes me back to a bygone era where musicians were really revered in those days they were given you know they were really given a good deal and they were highly thought of and they really made our lives come alive mm. i think especially you know when movies weren't quite so um sophisticated as they are now i think that was a really good way of people really being entertained you know you had the radio on and there was big bands going my father-in-law loved big bands and he introduced me to a lot of the big band stuff 
And we often play it at the drama factory in the foyer because we just find the minute you've got it on, people get in the mood. So I'm a big one for being positive. So that's why Glenn Miller in the mood. Is foot tapping, isn't it, Sue? It is. <laughs> in the mood, Glenn Miller. <laughs> We've got a show called In the Mood here on Fine Music Radio with that signature tune. 
uh, every Monday and Tuesday at 12 o'clock, just in case you want to tap your I foot a bit. Shall, I shall remember. Radio. I do so, love my fine music radio. Thank as you. As always, thank you. As always on radio, and as you know in theatre, timing is so important. So we're sort of running out of time. But I just want to go back to the drama factory. Here we are. Okay, we're already halfway through the year, believe it or not. Some COVID things are being loosened, but... Have you got exciting plans coming up for the rest of the year? So we do. Um, we have a really good variety of things that are coming up at the moment. We've just finished a tribute fest, um, and the last one of those tribute shows is Rumours, which is a tribute to Fleetwood Mac, which our audiences have gone absolutely crazy for. It's a really great way to end off that. We are doing an African folktale festival for schools, which is being run by the Jungle Theatre. That's in June, early June. And we are expecting Aaron McElroy and Lisa Bobbitt from Durban. They're going to be coming um, to do their new show called Go Big. Um, they are firm favorites of ours, and we know that our audiences just really are looking forward to a laugh. And then we have Di Khuya Pa with a Fleur de Cup nominated actress, Erica Marais, directed by Fleur de Cup director winner, Paul de Toy, which is brilliant. It's a really stunning piece of theater. Then we have um, Bay Mepa with Ira Blankenberg, which is beautiful, as well as Placid Engel, which is also an Afrikaans, stunning Afrikaans piece. And those are with Left Foot Productions, and they are beautiful, beautiful pieces. Do all these things that you just mentioned, are, all, are they all happening at the Drama Factory itself? They happen at the Drama suggest. Factory, and um, people can just go onto our website and have a look and see. We always have music interspersed with the drama. Um, sometimes we do Afrikaans, sometimes we do English, sometimes Isikosa, German, whatever the flavor of the month is, sometimes poetry. So it's best to just check our website. What is the address? Uh, www.thedramafactory.co.za. So very, very easy. It's www.thedramafactory.co.za. And that will give you our calendar. We have a lot of really exciting things that I may not yet mention. Because it does take quite a while to curate a good program. So mm. we hope to get a good balance of music as well as, as drama in there. And just uh, the final note I want to say is all strength to your arm for this lobbying you're doing to try to get our theatres to be able to take more, th Thank more you. patrons. Thank you so Please much. Please fight strongly for we that. We will. We will. Thank you. All right. And your final piece of music, Sue? Right. So this one also gets me a little bit, um, a little bit emotional. It's called Cover Me in Sunshine by the beautiful, beautiful artist called Pink. And she recorded this with her daughter during lockdown in what I presume is probably a home studio. It is a song that is not only beautiful, it just reaches into the depths of you and it teaches you about humanity. So I'm all about that. Um, sunshine is definitely the theme because we've had walking on sunshine and then cover me in <laughs> yes. sunshine. And of course, Scatlings <laughs> of Africa, we're always in sunshine. But this piece, I think for COVID, it made us all realize that as a collective human race, our entire world was in this together and we could only come through if we really just stood together and were human together and kind and the song 
really has hit home because I feel that, you know, our sector has been so decimated. We have lost so many people, not only to the disease, but also to other industries because they haven't been able to get the help that they needed um, financially to to kind of stay on on the arts path, as Mm. it were. Mm. So it made me really, I I listened to it the other day and I just had a good cry for where we had been with COVID as, as, as a whole, not only in the arts, but just as us as people. And the song is beautiful and it will resonate with you. And it's about being alive and literally covering each other in sunshine. So that's a very powerful way to end an inspiring interview. Thank you very much, Sue Dipavine, and all strength to your arm. Thank you so much for having me. It has been an absolute treat. I've been dreaming Friendly faces I've got so much time to kill Just imagine People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. FMR.